Good morning, C3. Happy Easter. Church starts in three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Justin. Happy Easter to you, Boys, Mr. Happy Chris. Easter, guys. Zach Smith is not here today because he's excited that he got an Easter basket, I think. He did not. He's pouting because he didn't get an Easter oh, basket. Oh, that's why he's not here. Zach, we're going to miss you today, buddy. But we're going to play you a new song this morning, and we encourage you guys, once you get the hangout, to sing along and, and worship with us. It all comes down to this What you require of me Love my neighbor as myself And you above all things I just need the mercy While humbly with you, God In all things in all ways, walk humbly with you, God. It all comes down to this, to be your hands and feet. Good news to all the world, the truth will set us free. Act justly, love mercy. Walk humbly with you, God, in all things, in all ways. Walk humbly with you, God. It's beauty for ashes this morning to dancing. It's closer and closer, the kingdom of heaven. It's beauty for ashes this morning to dancing. It's closer and closer, the kingdom of heaven. In years from now, we'll see the fruit our hands have sown. Faith just like a seed, the only way. Love mercy, walk humbly with you, God. In all ways, in all ways, walk humbly with you, God. Oh, in all things, in all ways, walk humbly with you, God. Good morning, C3 family, and happy Easter. He is risen indeed. Please join me now for our call to worship found in Isaiah, the 46th chapter, 8th through the 13th verses. Remember this, keep it in mind, take it to heart, you rebels. 
Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted. You who are now far from my righteousness, I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion and my splendor to Israel. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and for changing eternity for us. Today, as we celebrate your gift to us, we place our hope, our trust, and our future in you and you alone. You are the key to eternal life. And without you, oh God, nothing else matters. Help us to draw our thoughts upward toward you every minute of every day, but especially this Easter. It's in the matchless, mighty, and liberating name of Jesus that I pray. Amen and amen. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown Oh, the old rugged cross So despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me for the dear lamb of god left his glory above to bear it to dark calvary and so i cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last i lay down and I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown To the old rugged cross I will ever be true It's shame and reproach gladly bear then he called me someday to my home far away where his glory forever i'll share 
So I cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown And I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Good morning. Good morning, C3 family. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. It's to Easter one and Sunday all. morning. Hooray. Isn't that glorious? It's glorious. Yes, it is. Uh, he has risen. He is risen indeed. We've been saying that for a very long time. Yes. Haven't they? <laughs> Two uh, thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, uh, yes, that's a pretty... So we joined uh, a long line exactly. of... We, uh, uh, a great cloud of witnesses. Indeed. We? Yes, yes, we do. Yes, well, do you have something you want to start us off with? So today? this will be the last of the Lenten readings. Yes. Um, yes. First of all, let me just tell the guys, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the music as always, is wonderful, and we're very grateful, and we are just, we bless you in Jesus' name for all the wonderful worship that you... The talent, the uh, steadfastness. Yeah, that you provide for us. We're yeah. very grateful. So, yes, please. Yes, Sorry. Very yeah. Great. Um, so, uh, the last reading for this season will be about the resurrection <laughs> from a theologian named uh, Frederick Beekner. You may have yes. heard of him. Yes. He says this at the end of his essay. <laughs> Anxiety and fear are what we know best in this fantastic century of ours. Wars and rumors of wars, from civilization itself to what seemed the most under, unalterable values of the past, everything is threatened or already in ruins. Mm. We have heard so much tragic news that when, good, when the news is good, we cannot hear it. Mm. But the proclamation of Easter Day is that all is well. And as a Christian, I say this not with the easy optimism of one who has never known a time when all was not well, but one who has faced the cross in all its obscenity as well as all its glory, who has known one way or another what it is like to live separated from God. Mm. And in the end, His will, not ours, is done. Love is the victor. Mm. Death is not the end. The end is life. His life and our lives through Him, in Him. Existence has greater depths of beauty, mystery, and benediction than the wildest visionary has ever dared to dream. Mm. Christ, our Lord, has risen. Yes. That's remarkable. Yes, it is. <laughs> bless Frederick. Bless, bless Frederick. <laughs> and bless you. Thank you for sharing um, that in each week. Uh, leading up to this to today, um, thank you very much. The most important day in the Christian world, and yes, well, I believe in all of history. in all of the world. Yeah, in all of the world, yeah. it's the most yeah. uh, wonderful and important day. Um, in honor of Easter, I have been reading through the the Passion Week story. Me too, um, by the way. Uh, in the Gospels, and as I've been. Reading and thinking and, you know, pondering, pondering thank you, <laughs> uh, my favorite word. Uh, one idea 
just jumped out at me repeatedly, and I'm I'm going to read a couple of verses, and you'll probably get to you'll see what, what where I'm going. Uh, in Mark's account, chapter fourteen, he says Passover was in two days, and the chief priest and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. But they said, not during Passover or the people may riot. And then in Matthew's account of the same things, he says this, Jesus told the disciples, as you know, Passover is in two days and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priest and the elders assembled in the palace of the high priest and schemed to arrest and kill Jesus secretly, but not during Passover to prevent a riot. Um, That little idea that they did not want the arrest, the trial, and the crucifixion of Jesus to occur during Passover. Um, They recognized that that was going to create added problems and challenges that they did not want to deal with and that they wanted to avoid. Sure. Um, I find that interesting and significant, and you'll see why in a few minutes. Um, the, the religious leaders recognized that arresting and trying and convicting and condemning Jesus was going to be challenging. It was going to be uh, it was going to be difficult to get rid of Jesus. Um, lots of challenges in condemning someone that is so popular, so good, and so innocent. Uh, it was going to be challenging to uh, get Jesus alone. Notice they said we want to get him alone so that we can arrest him and it won't create a riot. <clears throat> it was going to be challenging to do that because Jesus was constantly surrounded with people. It was going to be challenging to arrest Jesus, period, uh, because he had the reputation of getting into groups of people and it would start getting very angry and tense and they would talk about grabbing him and stoning him and he would just walk through the crowd. So he had this reputation of when he wanted to leave a difficult situation, he just did. did. (laughs) So how do you arrest somebody who has that power? Um, it was going to be challenging and difficult to get the Jewish political and religious leaders to find some agreement among themselves, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Zealots, the, the Herodians, all these different groups. They hated each other's guts, and they, they did not agree with each other at all. They could not work together, and yet when it came to Jesus they had to find common ground. They had to find a way to work together. And that was going to be difficult. How can we find common ground and work together in creating a plan where we can arrest Jesus, have his trial, have him condemned, and then have him crucified? Yeah. Um, it was going to be challenging, and they knew it, uh, to get the authorization and approval of the Romans, the Roman authorities. Um, they did not have a problem with Jesus. Uh, Jesus was not a threat to the Roman uh, government. Um, All they cared about was taxes and no waves. They did not like waves. They did not want um, anybody rebelling, and they they wanted you to pay your taxes. Well, Jesus paid his taxes, and he taught other people to pay their taxes. And 
Jesus told people, he taught people, obey the government. Obey your authority. Don't, don't rebel against your authority. So um, it was going to be hard, and they knew it. These religious leaders knew that it was going to be very challenging, very hard to get the Roman authorities to agree with them, to arrest Jesus, try Jesus, condemn Jesus, and ultimately crucify him. I find it significant that the only part of this whole plan that wasn't difficult, wasn't challenging, was not problematic, was the fact that they all agreed, don't do it this week. (laughs) Wait a week or so, because this week is not the right week to do it. Jerusalem was packed. Jerusalem was, actually it went from several hundred thousand people in a normal week to one or two million people. So it was was a huge influx of people, um, many of which came from Galilee, northern Israel, where Jesus was from and most popular. And they did not want that to, you know, there was great potential for a riot there. Um, And they were trying to avoid that. Um, they, uh, Passover was a time where there was uh, an increase normally in national fervor, religious fervor. Uh, and so, again, it just made the situation heightened, um, heightened the, the potential for it to go south yeah. on them. And so they all were in agreement. Don't do it during the week of Passover. <laughs> uh, and yet, that's where the problem lay. Uh, therein lay the problem. Uh, and that was that Jesus had told his followers that he would be arrested, tried, and condemned and die in Jerusalem on Passover in two days. <laughs> uh, again, the point being is that when Jesus speaks, when Jesus says things, when Jesus Um, makes promises, what Jesus says is going to happen. Um, I wrote down that uh, 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 what Jesus says is more certain and more unstoppable than the rising of the sun or the rising of the tides in the morning. Uh, Jesus said that he was going to be arrested, tried, condemned, and crucified. Um, and that it would take place in Jerusalem on Passover. Why did it have to be Jerusalem? And why did it have to be on Passover? Why would God override the the will and the plans of the very people that were involved in this plot, this scheme, why would God override that? They said, we're not going to do it in our Passover. And God said, oh, yeah, you are. Why would that be such a big deal to God? That's the, the thing that I've been thinking about all week. And where I've landed, Charlie, is that to understand why it was important that Jesus be crucified in Jerusalem on Passover, you really have to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 16. And that's back when uh, the people of Israel, the people of God, are right at the edge of the Jordan River, and they're preparing to cross the Jordan River and to go into the Promised Land and conquer it. And right before they go in, God says through Moses, I want y'all, when you go into the land and you conquer it, you're going to choose a capital. And when you choose that capital, every year I want you to take a lamb, 
and I want you to offer it as a sacrifice during Passover. Don't forget, do it every year. When you choose a capital, go to that capital, gather together, choose a lamb, and offer it as a sacrifice for the sins of the nation in Jerusalem, which it ultimately became Jerusalem, right. in Jerusalem uh, on or during Passover. Um, God was not just giving the people of Israel another religious duty. He was asking them to do something every year to point them towards something that was incredibly significant, incredibly eternal, that mattered, that, that was a big deal to God. And one of the things that God was trying to teach them was just the simple principle that God's forgiveness and God's salvation always comes because of the sacrifice of the innocent for the guilty. Yeah. There is no forgiveness. There is no salvation in God's economy except when the innocent is sacrificed for the guilty. And that's what happened for 16, literally for 15 or 1600 years. Every spring, the people of Israel would gather together in Jerusalem and they would offer a sacrifice. Um, uh, an innocent lamb would be offered for the guilt and the sin of the people of Israel. And it would happen at Passover in Jerusalem. And God asked them to do that year after year for 1,500 years to point them toward a day when the true Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, would offer His own innocent life, His own perfect life as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Um, Jesus would give His life as an offering, as the Lamb of God, to pay for the sins of mankind and to offer them His salvation and His eternal life. And he would give that to anyone who would believe and receive what he did in Jerusalem during Passover on that day. Um, yeah, Easter conveys many truths. Many truths about God, many truths about us. But I don't think that there is a truth that is more clear or more powerful that is conveyed at Easter than the, the truth that God is sovereign over the affairs of mankind. If Easter says anything, it declares without any uh, question that God is sovereign over the affairs of mankind. God's plans and God's promises will take place no matter what. Case in point, the people that wanted to kill Jesus all agreed, don't do it in Jerusalem during Passover. They didn't agree about anything else but that. That's a good, but God said, I want my son to die as a sacrifice in Jerusalem on Passover so that the people of my people could see, could make the connection, could connect the dots as to what they had been doing for 1,500 years was really just pointing toward the moment when God would offer His own Son as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Um, God says it this way in Isaiah 46. God declares the end from the beginning 
and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. And that's what Easter for me really declares in such a powerful way, that even though men think that they are independent and free and can do as they will, whether that pleases or displeases God, Easter declares, I am sovereign. Now you and I both know that the word sovereign or sovereignty is not in the Bible any more than the word trinity is. Sovereignty is just a word that we have used to declare that God is in control of all that occurs on this earth and in the universe, from the largest international intrigue or pandemic Mm -hmm. to the smallest leaf or bird that would fall to the ground in the most remote forest. To the numbers Um, of hair on your head. To the number of hairs on our head. And the hairs that fall, I'm sorry, uh, you know, I'm sorry that some of my hairs are, more and more of my hairs are falling off, falling out. Um, but that is something that ultimately is a part, falls under the sovereignty of God. In Isaiah 46, the, the, uh, the prophet continues, I am God, and there is no other. My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish my plans. Daniel says in chapter 4, God does as he wills with the host of heaven, and the peoples of the earth, and no one can stop him. Job said, God is unchangeable. Who can stop him? What he desires and plans, he accomplishes. The psalmist in chapter 115 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does every single thing that he pleases. And Solomon reminds us in chapter 16 of Proverbs, in his heart a man plans. His, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. God's sovereignty. I don't believe that there is a more important lesson taught from the story of Easter. I don't think there's a more important principle or doctrine that the Bible really from beginning to end declares. It's so important to know that God is in control of the affairs of men and everything else to boot. Um, It becomes much more precious to me, much more of a treasure, God's sovereignty, when I combine it with my understanding of God's passion to convey and pour out upon me His mercy and His kindness and His goodness. Um, In Ephesians 2, Paul says it this way, Jesus died so for all eternity he can show us the riches of his grace and kindness. And in Isaiah 64, the prophet says, no one has ever heard or seen or dreamed of a God like ours who works for the good of those who will wait on him for his help. God's sovereignty means that His commitment to pour out upon you and me and you, His goodness, His mercy, His kindness, that cannot be thwarted, that cannot be lessened, that cannot be uh, delayed, that cannot be stopped. Uh, Nothing can stop God's commitment 
to pour out upon us and show us his goodness, his kindness, and his mercy. Nothing befalls those who know and love God except for those things that help us understand and experience the depth and the height and the richness and the fullness of God's goodness and love and grace. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that God is working all things together for our good. And the psalmist says in Psalm 84 that God withholds no good thing from us. God's sovereignty, surely, truly, it's the answer to my wounds, my frustrations, my confusion, and my failures. It's the foundation of my faith and my life. And it is ultimately my assurance that I, as imperfect and flawed and broken as I am, God's sovereignty assures me and gives me the hope that one day I will stand before Jesus Himself and I will stand faultless and forgiven and loved and accepted and delighted in by God Himself. That's why God says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, God will sanctify you fully and keep your entire spirit and soul and body blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Jesus' half-brother Jude said in his little epistle, those who have been called and are loved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, will experience God's mercy, His peace, and His love in abundance. Just like God said, my son is going to be crucified in Jerusalem on, at Passover. And I don't care what plans and plots other people have for that. Nothing could afford that. In the same way, I'm going to experience God's mercy, God's peace, and God's love in abundance, and no one can thwart that. He goes, uh, Jude goes on to say in verse 24, glory to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. And the Apostle Paul says in chapter 8 of Romans, he speaks in past tense about something that hadn't even happened yet. Hmm. And the reason he uses past tense is because He's trying to communicate that the certainty of it, that this, even though this hasn't taken place, it's so certain that I'm going to talk about it as if it's already occurred. And this is what he says. Those that God predestined, God called. And those God called, He justified. And those God justified, He glorified. Even though it hadn't taken place yet. In Paul's mind, it's It's so so certain he can speak of it as if it had already occurred. Paul says again in Philippians 1, We are confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it. And then he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, The Lord will sustain you to the end, guiltless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you... um, leave today and you don't hear anything else, I want you to leave here being reminded or being enlightened Mm -hmm. (laughs) that the sovereignty of God 
that assured that Jesus would die in Jerusalem on Passover. That assurance that God's sovereignty accomplished, God is using that very same sovereignty to pour out upon us the fulfillment of His plans, the abundance of His love, His goodness, His kindness, His mercy, and ultimately, He gives us the assurance that that sovereignty will get us not just through this life, but into the life to come where we will be with Him forever. I, uh, I want to end today by just giving us a, a, a challenge. What are, you, what are we supposed to do with that news? That the, that the God of the universe that is sovereign over everything has committed that sovereignty to you and I and to us experiencing His goodness, His mercy, and His kindness. What are we supposed to do with that news? What are we supposed to do with a God like that? Um, I would just challenge us all, number one, to consider how important it is that we thank Him, that we praise Him, that we bless Him, that we worship Him, that we give Him the honor and the thanks that He deserves for committing His goodness, His mercy, and His kindness to you and I and to you. The other thing that I would think that we're supposed to do with that information uh, is that it should challenge us to get to know Him better than we ever had before and love Him more and serve Him more and follow Him more than we ever have. If God would commit those kinds of things to us and nothing can stop it, nothing can lessen it, nothing can thwart it, My goodness, what a wonderful person he must be. And he must be worthy of us getting to know him and experiencing that love and learning to love him in return. Thank you. Uh, Did you have anything you wanted to? No, no, that was great. Um, The only thing that I thought was when you were saying here, you know, what what can we do with that information, that truth, is um, for me, the first word that came to mind was relax a little. (laughs) <laughs> sit in it. I mean, this is, this is the day, Easter. If these things are true, and I embrace that truth, to relax into that and to breathe into that. Rest in the Lord. Perhaps that is... Rest in His goodness. Yeah. Rest in His mercy. Receive the gift. Rest in His sovereignty. Yeah. That all is well. All is well. Brother Freddie (laughs) reminded us, all is well because Jesus died in Jerusalem on Passover. And three days later, He rose again. And if that is true, then all is well. All is well. And it's going to get better and better. Uh, That's our hope. That's our blessed hope. Bless His wonderful name. That's why we do this. Yes. So why don't you take that? We're going to eat that which represents the body of our Savior. We proclaim that we believe it. Yes, we eat and we drink to proclaim our belief in His life, His suffering, His sacrifice, His death and His resurrection. And we drink to just remind ourselves of the blood that poured out of His body. And the same blood is that which washes away our sins and makes us white as snow. Let's eat and drink and remember and give thanks.
Thank you for being with us today. We hope that you have a wonderful Easter day. We do. And that you take time to relax and rest and breathe and reflect on the sovereignty that God has committed to you. And believe it. And believe it and enjoy it and walk in it. Thank you for being with us. We hope to see you again next week. Bye-bye. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.
and happy Easter to you guys. We hope you have a great day. Hope you do some Easter egg hunting. I know I am. You want to get some? Yeah. Get you some Easter eggs? Yeah. Y'all have a great week. Come back and see us next week. We are Christ Community Church. We'll be at Facebook Live and YouTube Live at 1015 in the morning and come to the Botanic Gardens too. Derek Shipley, you got anything? Yep. Y'all have a great Sunday and a great week. Bye.